I'm Michael Laurie and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockus Nationwide. Hello again, the World Cup is officially underway and Jonathan Bradley is officially in Japan. Jonathan, how are you? How's the jet lag? I was going to say it's not too bad, but it's, what, half one in the morning and I'm away doing this, so it can't be great when you think about it that way. (laughs) That's very true. I I do feel a little bit bad, but then, sure, here we are. That's your commitment to the listeners, really. So, talk us through. That's probably where we're stretching it a bit, like, with with the jet lag, I don't think I'd be asleep. Anyway, so. <laughs> well, true. Um, talk us through your day. It's been a busy one. It has been a busy one. So we had the um, well. For, first of all, I went out to the stadium early this morning just to sort of see what the uh, crack was, see if I could get any color. Um, just sort of seeing if there was much of a buzz about the place, much of an atmosphere. Uh, and I was actually really surprised at how much there was. Because um, I was out there probably about, I don't know, eight hours before kickoff. And there was loads of people sort of milling around, everyone in good spirits, everybody really looking forward to the game. All Japanese speakers rather than English speakers, obviously, which yeah. wasn't great for a colour piece. No, that's true. Life. <laughs> so then there was the big yeah. uh, the big Ireland announcement, Ireland squad announcement. But well, well, I suppose we'll, yes. talk, we'll talk about that in a little while. Let's talk first about the Japan game. That's the opening game of the tournament, which is just over, and you were there. I'm sure it looked on on the TV like just a a great festival. It was, yeah. It was um, the sort of spectacle around it, and really the atmosphere was an awful lot better than the rugby at times. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know whether you could see it on TV, but like. It felt like everybody was wearing a Japanese jersey and like you would look into blocks of the stand and it would just be like solidly red and white. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably like more so than I've ever seen. Like that sounds really obvious, but if you think about the Aviva Stadium, if you look at the Aviva Stadium, it's not like a sea of green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody, there's a lot of replica shirts, but everyone's wearing different colours, but this was like sort of solid blocks of red and white stripes <laughs> yeah. throughout the stadium and then... Um, just a really good um, sort of had a really good appreciation of everything and the size of the occasion and, and unfortunately I think it probably got to their got to their players yeah. a bit. but um, no as a as a spectacle yeah it was, it was great and the opening ceremony was uh, what was it like? I'm never sure about opening ceremonies of anything but I didn't actually see this one what was it was it good? I didn't really understand what was going on at first right Um so I sort of tweeted that I didn't really understand what was going on and then it became self-explanatory after that um, so I sort of um, pseudo Mount Fuji appeared in the middle of this uh, big white circle and then just great uh, images from past World Cups were sort of projected onto Mount Fuji and then out of nowhere Richie McCall appeared that was pretty much how it went Fantastic! Sounds like a, a good night out for the family. Um, the the game itself in Japan obviously weren't overly convincing, particularly at the start, as you say, they looked like they were panicking on the occasion. But 
Um, overall, did they look to you like a side who could threaten Scotland or Ireland? No, I was really disappointed by them, but I think you have to put it in the context of the occasion. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, Michael Leach became the, just the second player to ever captain Japan at two World Cups, so that's how experienced he is. Everybody sort of knows about him, given the try that he scored in the South Africa match the last time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he made the mistake on the first kickoff. So yeah. when you have somebody at that stature making a mistake, and then pretty much from that, Russia bundled them into touch and got the line out. And then the line out was overthrown, and there was this huge cheer, which was in real contrast to the gasps that had come when uh, <laughs> Leach muffed the kickoff. And then, like, half a second later, you had Yu Tamar. He's another one of their very good players, really impressed during the PNC. He got charged down, and there was another huge gasp, and then a, another big cheer when <laughs> uh, the Russian number nine just couldn't get to the ball before it bounced dead. And, like, this was all in the space of, I don't know, like, two minutes Yeah. <laughs> from the kickoff. So it was a real sort of helter-skelter start, and just the noise in the stadium really sort of like if you hadn't been watching the game and you were just listening to the noise you would have been able to tell just how up and down it was for the Japanese fans because mm-hmm. it was just uh, parts and mouth stuff <laughs> yeah. for a lot of that really sort of first half hour yeah which if that's happening against Russia it doesn't really bode well for games against Ireland or Scotland no it doesn't like the Russian coach uh, Lynn Jones actually said in the in the post-match that Playing a team like Japan isn't like going up a level for us. It's like playing a different sport for us. <laughs> yeah. so, and, you know, this is obviously a team that, as we talked about before, got beat by Connacht, beat by Jersey yeah. during the season. So for them to hold, for them to hold Japan mm-hmm. to just 30 points when they're talking about the step up being akin to playing a different sport really shows you. <laughs> yeah. I think sort of. You have to give credit to Russia. I think it would be unfair not to. Mm-hmm. They did miss a lot of tackles, but they defended very, very physically. But for me, the story is probably, probably more the disappointing nature of the Japan performance. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about it on the way home and on the way back to the hotel, even. And I don't know whether in the like, piece that I wrote for the paper, I was maybe overly harsh in the performance. Given the occasion it was, I don't think that they'll be as sort of spooked by things as they were mm. tonight whenever they're playing Ireland next week. Yeah, yeah. Who's the first name or first game nerves maybe be, be out of the way. Well, speaking of Ireland, obviously the uh, squad announcement was this morning and there were not many surprises, but we did see... Jordan Larmer named it fullback rather than Andrew Conway. Um, how big a shock was that for you? And is it the right call? Um, I think Jordan Larmer's probably got a bit more recent experience at fullback. I thought that they would maybe go Conway at fullback defensively, but then the other thing that I would maybe think it points towards is where Ireland are going to look to attack and maybe mm-hmm. they're thinking about Conor Murray putting up a few contestables and just getting Conway into the best positions 
to go up and battle for them possibly mm-hmm. would be something I would think they were looking at mm-hmm. the other thing as well you know even talking to Gary Ringrose today he was sort of like talking about getting shifted around the backfield and it was like but you don't really end up where you're meant to be all that often if you really think about it so you know the difference between the two it's not marginal yeah. Yeah. when you're talking about somebody like Rob Carney who polices in there mm-hmm. so well when you're talking about, I suppose, maybe from a, from an attacking perspective and you're just thinking about, you know, where the players are coming into the line and things like that, it's maybe not as big a deal as we make it out to be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay. The injured players that didn't make it, we had said all week that they weren't going to make it, they didn't make it, but Joe Schmidt was at pains again in his press conference to stress how fit they are. I mean, was it was it Earls or Carney he said had been the fittest player in training on Wednesday? Is is this all? Uh, well, I don't want to say is this all the truth, but if they're as fit as he's saying they are, surely they'd be playing. Well, they would be, yeah, obviously. Mm. Um, you know, I think there was a certain degree, obviously, of smoke and mirrors throughout the week. I think we spoke about it before of trying to keep Scotland guessing, and there's no point. Joe Schmidt, he's somebody who despises um, his team being in the media before he wants it to be there. You know, he made a real point of it during the Six Nations last year, complaining about the fact that his team for Wales had been in the media two days early. Mm-hmm. So he does try try to put up those smoke screens, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Now that, it's, now that they're not in the team and everyone said they weren't going to be in the team, um, you do wonder about the sort of need to say, oh, Keith, or Keith Arrows was the sharpest player in training and Rob Carney's good and Joey Carberry's going to be talking out as the 24th man, so don't worry if this <laughs> yeah. is the World Cup quarterfinal, they'll all be playing. At the end of the night, they're not playing, so. Yeah. So I suppose, given the unwillingness to say anything that we can be 100% sure is correct, we don't really know uh, whether they're going to be back or when they're going to be back, I suppose, at this stage then. No, the thing is as well, though, I do think there was going to be rotation from one game to the next, just yeah. for the six-day turnaround. Um, obviously, Japan had the eight-day turnaround. Mm-hmm. And also, Japan and Scotland are very different sides. So, I do think there would have been probably a desire to change a few things up anyway. Um, so, maybe if they were only going to play one of the two games, maybe it was decided that they would play Japan. But, Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, there'll definitely be changes from game one to game two. I'd say for sure. Uh, I was even, um, you know, talking to Luke Thompson, the Japanese lock that came off the bench um, today, just asking about how big a difference it made to Japan to have that extra time. And he said it was massive compared to you know the last World Cup when they had to play short. Mm-hmm. So I really think it is going to be something that Ireland look to manage. That I, look, it's only a six-day turnaround. It's not as bad as some of the other teams are having to deal with. But mm. you then obviously go, um, whatever it is, then five, four days, five days into Russia. So yeah, I think you're going to see everybody play in the first two games. Yeah. With okay. the possible exception of Henshaw. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you're going to see, just, just with the scheduling and the opponents, the way things work, you're going to see, I think, probably, there's going to be a real effort to target these first two games. They'll think that they should beat Russia anyway, but they'll maybe want to take some of their front line players out of the firing line. And mm-hmm. then 
it's probably no bad thing to have the likes of Carney and Earls come back in for Japan just to freshen things up. Yeah. But not the the quality at all. But you know, Japan have done the same thing. You know, you saw um, Mafi, he's their best player, really, their number eight. You know, allegedly he was fit, but he didn't play tonight because he's been given more time for Ireland. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, it's one of those sort of unique things of a World Cup, I suppose, just the uh, having to get 31 players Mm-hmm. Around like that, yeah. Yeah. So in that backline, there are so many World Cup debutants, so little experience. Uh, how will that impact the team on Sunday, especially in such a big game? Like it's not, it's not a game as we've said so many times that they can ease themselves into. Does it help that they're playing Scotland, who they're familiar with, or does that not really matter because it's it's the World Cup and it's different? Look, it's a really really interesting one, isn't it? Um, because a few of the Scottish players have said that, you know, it won't feel like the Six Nations, which they obviously don't want it to be because their record against Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Six Nations hasn't been particularly good of late, so Sam Johnson at the Scottish presser yesterday. I'm losing talking about days and this is this is just gonna be a theme <laughs> for the next couple of months. But um, yesterday I was saying, you know, it's a different country, so that's gotta level things somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas Ireland, I think you're right, Ireland have wanted to feel as normal as possible because eight of that team's never played in the World Cup before. Mm-hmm. And, um, including, so everyone from jersey number 11 out mm-hmm. has never played in the World Cup before. None of the backs on the bench have played in the World Cup before. If you take basically all the World Cup debutants in the backs, They've only won 104 caps for Ireland. Mm-hmm. Rob Carney's won 92 for Ireland and three for the Lions just by himself. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that gives you some idea about just the amount of experience that they're mm-hmm. lacking. Keith Earls, I think, off the top of my head, is 78 caps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, again, not three quarters of the tally of everybody else as well. So, it's a huge amount of experience to be missing but we are talking about good players mm-hmm. but if I could just contradict myself again <laughs> I don't think anybody would have expected um, Japan to react to the pressure in the way they did today maybe mm-hmm. that's a different thing hosting the World Cup to just yeah. playing in your first World Cup game but it's one of those things you maybe don't know how it is going to affect you until you get out there like um, you know James Rhymes up for media today, Guy Ringrose was up for media today, and they were both just sort of talking about, yeah, it's really cool, it's it's a good buzz, but we're trying to make it as normal as possible, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's what they are going to do. I'm sure that's what the coaches are trying to do, but there will be no getting away from the fact that even in your own head, that this is a yeah. huge World Cup. You know, these things. You're very lucky if you get to play in a World Cup. Some great players never do, and mm-hmm. um, you almost have to be lucky play in two you know all those players are young enough that they could but you know Roy Best said before the squad left that you know you want injury away for somebody who's like 24 now and then you're sat there thinking you've got loads of time you get a, you get an injury for the next one and then all of a sudden you're 32 and you're maybe on the way out you know mm-hmm. yeah you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special brought to you in association with Remus Hill Victoria Square Belfast and Stockist Nationwide in the pack then Ian Henderson got the nod 
Um, and Schmidt was talking about him and said that it was that experience that he brings 48 caps and that's he basically said that's why he got the nod in the team so um, was the inexperience elsewhere in the team because you had mentioned before that you thought Ian Henderson might start on the bench for these sort of games so uh, the inexperience elsewhere maybe did did his selection no harm yeah like and but I think whenever I was sort of speaking about Ian Henderson possibly on the bench like I think it's important to sort of note there how much stock Joe Schmidt places on the bench you know yeah it's he almost doesn't see it as a knock to be on the bench, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, the players would rather start than be on the bench, but yeah, he was talking about you know how he sees players on the bench and in the team as interchangeable, and he wouldn't. It's not that um, he would mind a player on the bench starting. It's just looking at what different players can bring and whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It is still a really powerful Ireland bench, and I think that's. For me, that's probably where the game's going to be won, I think. I think it'll be close enough in the early going, and then I think Ireland will pull away in the last sort of half an hour. Okay. So I do think, like, Ty Byrne, Jack Conan, Sean Conan, Dave Kilcoyne, um, Andrew Porter, they're all going to be really, really important uh, players coming on, I think. Mm-hmm. Does Henderson's selection and the selection in general really give you uh, a bit of an indication as what the a quarterfinal selection might be injury, injuries dependent? I don't think so. One, because of the injuries. So again, we've not seen Aki, Ringrose and Henshaw all available for the same big game. Mm. Uh, so there's still a clouded picture there. I also think that this is a team picked to beat Scotland, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, You could argue that it's probably closer to the best available team that we had maybe thought it would be at different points of the summer. Yeah. But I do think, especially when you look at the bench, I think it's a team picked to overpower Scotland up front, which is what makes sense to do. And like you've got your first choice team one through ten, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your backline where you're lagging a few of your regular players, so it makes sense to tighten things up. It makes sense to try and be more physical than Scotland because that's what you can do that they don't do as well. You don't want to make it loose against Scotland because guys like Finn Russell and Stuart Hall, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you surprised at all John Klein didn't make the squad? Um, no. I don't think he offers much off the bench. He's okay. not unlike Devin Toner in that sense. That I don't know if he's going to bring enough to be on the bench mm. to warrant being in the 23 if he's not starting. Okay. The versatility wise, as much as anything, on, you know, is he going to come on and make a couple of big impacts in twenty minutes? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Is he going to come on and hit a good number of rocks? Of course, but it's not really what you want from somebody coming mm. onto the team in the last twenty minutes. You know, 
Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. So elsewhere, then the pack, uh, CJ Stander starts at number eight. No real surprise, but Conan had made uh, a bit of a bid to to get in there. Yeah, I just for me, and I said this before when we were doing a previous podcast. I don't think Conan really grabbed the chance as much mm. to the point where I think that this game had it been three months ago. Maybe Conan would have started, but mm-hmm. I think Stander was better in the warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how that sort of progresses yeah. throughout the rest of the tournament. But um, for me, yeah, I just think obviously like training and stuff comes into it as well. But I think Stander's performance against uh, against Wales probably just. Uh, Certainly, I think it ended the debate in a lot of people's minds over who was going to start against Scotland. It, like, as I say, it's not going to go away, but, like, um, you know, CJ's almost, I don't want to say more trusted, because it's not that Jack Conan is not trusted, but mm. Joe at this stage knows exactly what he's getting with CJ Stander, and I yeah. think he values that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the Scotland team was announced this morning as well. A very strong team. The big hitters are, are all there. Did did they worry at all at any stage when you're looking through the Scotland team and thinking, they're, they're all pretty handy players? Well, look, I don't think whenever you're talking about a team like Scotland that you're ever going to look and be like, that's not a great selection. Mm-hmm. I think Scotland probably are what we think they are in the sense that they're a decent team who on their day are capable of beating almost anybody in the world. Scotland's problem is consistency. Like, as I said before, mm. it's no consolation to Ireland if uh, we don't think Scotland have the consistency to win the World Cup, but they happen to win <laughs> on Sunday. You know, yeah. It's, it's going to be no help, no help to Ireland, but Look, they're a team that's built to play quickly. When you look at John Barkley and Hamish Watson um, as their flankers, they're two really, really good players. And that's where, for me, Josh van der Flyer comes in. Josh van der Flyer has to have a good game, has mm-hmm. to get through a ton of work, and he has to ensure that he is doing what he does and getting to the rocks quick enough that he's negating the impact of Barkley and Watson. It's not going to be just on him, obviously, Roy Best will feature in that as well. Peter Manny will feature in that as well. But that, to me, is the key because Ireland want to be playing a game where they can get their big runners mm-hmm. um, hitting the line at pace and targeting the mismatches in the Scottish line. Mm-hmm. Whereas Scotland want to play so quickly because they don't want... They, they want a wee bit of, of chaos during. They want to get guys like... Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell and Sam Johnson onto the ball and make Ireland's inexperienced backline a backline that hasn't played an awful lot together and the components of which that are playing on Sunday looked very shaky when they played together in Twickenham they want them making decisions on the hoof they don't want to let Ireland get set and organised because mm. you know as we saw in Twickenham and I hate to come back to it but as we saw there when the opposition had quick ball and they had to make decisions, they were making the wrong ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, listening to the Left Wing podcast, I've heard you, the guys talking about how changeable the weather seems every day. Um, what's the latest forecast for Sunday? Are we likely to get the storm? 
they still think that the storm's going to come beforehand, which may okay. be a good thing or maybe a bad thing, really, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Because what it might mean is, well, one, I think Ireland would have liked the weather better to be, or sorry, Ireland would have liked bad weather more than Scotland would. Mm. And the other thing as well to remember is that this pitch maybe isn't in the best condition and certainly won't be in the best condition if South Africa and New Zealand play on it tomorrow night in a storm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Schmidt was asked about that uh, today and he did say that the sort of the pitches over there he'd be very been very impressed by the turnaround time. But as you say, turn turn around a pitch is all well and good, but turn around a pitch after those two teams play on the storm might not be very easy. Uh, yeah, especially so, especially with you know, twenty four hours between the games. Exactly. So. Yeah. So all in all expecting an Ireland win. Obviously. Um, yeah, I think I plumped twenty at seventeen in the end, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to remember. It was something in that sort of range. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Twenty seventeen? 2817. Oh, 17 Okay, that's a bit more convincing. I was thinking, Jeepers, this is going to be a bit of a, a knee jerker in the last few minutes. 2817 is a bit easier. Makes my uh, writing a match report uh, easier, yeah. too. Yeah, we'll see. That's the thing. I'm never going to predict a three point game either way. Oh, no. It's a nightmare. I, w- I wouldn't want to risk the fact of being right and having to like do a match report and stuff <laughs> on the whistle with uh, exactly. not knowing going to win until the very end. So what's the what's the plan for for you tomorrow? Tomorrow, yes, it's yeah near enough two o'clock now, and the Ireland press conference is at nine o'clock, and it's about an hour and a half away, and I have to mm-hmm. check out of my hotel in Tokyo and get to Yokohama with all of my bags. Mm-hmm. And so this is all none of that side particularly great, but. No. I'm also going to New Zealand, South Africa tomorrow, and I really uh, can't wait. So, so that will be great. I, yeah, I should actually be focusing on that more than focusing yeah. on the fact that basically <laughs> I have to get up to. Again, the fact that you're not getting much sleep isn't really going to get much sympathy from the rest of us back here. Uh, what time's the yeah. New Zealand, South Africa game on? It's 11.45 our time, isn't it? The late kickoff? 11.45 your time, which is yeah. 6.45 here. Yeah. It's, a, okay. it's a great day, rugby. Look, like, um, Australia Fiji, I think a big good game as well, with the added bonus of uh, Christian Leifano getting the nod at ten for Australia. And yes. France v Argentina. Um look at England again to the quarterfinals so France v Argentina is a massive, massive game. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of this World Cup like of who's gonna get out of that pool. Just very quickly, I actually uh, lifted lifted my wrong script. I had Christian Leifano down a mill the one and I for, uh, forgot about it, but uh, just fantastic that he's been given an odd to start the first game of the World Cup. I mean, uh, a few years ago, just if you'd told him, fast forwarded and showed him this, it would have been been pretty amazing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just you know, with everything that he's gone through, it's almost like rugby's obviously not the most important thing to him. But just to get this reward from rugby, having worked so hard to get back. Um, to get back playing again because I don't think any of us thought he was going to play again Not let alone play again at such a high level that he'd be starting at 10 for the Wallabies in, the, in their first World Cup game so unbelievable like it is it's the best thing that's going to happen in this World Cup to be honest yeah except if Ireland win it maybe maybe 
<laughs> it would be nice to be able to compare the two though. So fingers crossed that we're talking about that. So that's pretty much us for today. We'll check in with you again then after the Ireland Scotland game. But uh, you will be joining us for the live blog on the website to provide some expert insight from live yes. from the stadium. So Wi-Fi depending, I suppose. So uh, if any... I didn't actually try the stadium Wi-Fi because I've got my little Wi-Fi. Oh, your little dongle, fantastic! Has been has been working well for me so far. So. Good. Well, fingers crossed then. If anybody wants to get their fix of Jonathan Bradley analysis, they can get that on the live blog uh, during the game on Sunday. So that's us. So thank you very much for joining us, Jonathan. I uh, hope you get a few hours sleep and enjoy the game tomorrow. Talk to you soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Rima Suomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide.